welcome to yet another episode of the new space india podcast investors bring in the fuel that companies need to build out products and roll them out into the market therefore one of the key stakeholders in seeing a vibrant ecosystem mature for space startups in india is the presence of seed stage and series a stage investors invest into entrepreneurs and companies that look to build innovative products and services about 10 years ago when the whole space startup landscape was beginning in india there were hardly any institutional investors fund space startups in india over time this has changed with investment firms such as speciale invest who have now backed several new space companies based in india to build out their products and services in this episode of the new space india podcast i have vishesh rajaram who is a managing partner at speciale invest and has invested in agnikul cosmos kava space and astrogate labs as a seed investor talk about his insights of investing in these startups and what he thinks about investing in startups from india in the space sector vishesh has over 10 years of investing experience across enterprise technologies and consumer services he has been actively involved across the life cycle of venture capital investing from deal sourcing building networks investing monitoring and creating value as well as exit engineering in this episode of the new space india podcast vishesh shares some excellent insights as to what he looks for in seed stage companies in the space sector as well as what stood out to him as somebody who is investing in space companies in india vishesh uh, welcome to this episode of the new space india podcast it's my pleasure having you here likewise yeah very excited uh, to sort of be on this podcast and to sort of have the chance to talk to you i know you you've been in the sector for long enough while a few of us have been here for a few years only so i'm i'm eager to talk as much as i can learn thank you so when uh, i started a company in india it, my first company druva space in 2012 you know days were very hard in finding uh, potential investors especially institutional investors to participate in the space sector and uh, you know things have changed a lot uh, over the last 8 years and i'm happy to see you know people like yourself uh, being open about investment in space so to begin the podcast let's uh, talk a little bit about uh, your fund uh, speciale invest if i'm pronouncing it right and uh, you know your background as well as uh, what is the fund and you know what is the size of the fund and what are your interest areas so speciale is a team of eight of us we sort of work across two geographies bangalore and chennai uh investment focus is largely india us and israel these are sort of the geographies that we look at partnering with entrepreneurs Uh, my own background i sort of had a early degree in finance uh, spent early career in financial services worked with uh, pricewaterhousecoopers i was a corporate banker managed a 50 million dollar lending book at a large private bank uh, then went on to get a business school degree which is where i met my co-founding partner at special uh, came back inherited a pharmaceutical company ran it uh, managed to operationally the engineer and exit engineer that company a lot of a lot of humble learnings from there on and then just chanced an opportunity to get a job in a venture capital firm 14 years ago uh spent 10 years with that firm it was called venture east i'm a 
part of a core team managing about 110 million dollars of money across C Series A. Did that for 10 years, saw a couple of investment cycles, saw a full fund cycle, which meant fundraising, deployment, deal sourcing, portfolio management, exit engineering, portfolio construct, all of the above. That sort of gave me the confidence that I'd seen maybe one or two cycles in the venture world. Of course, each cycle has its own nuances. Had also seen one one downturn, which which is a good stripe to earn and have for a for an investor, which was a 2008-2009 downturn. And I think at the end of the day, there's a huge entrepreneurial bug that or the entrepreneurial DNA, whichever way one wants to call it, that kept sort of drawing me back to saying that there is a deeper need for me to build an institution that lasts time and stands time tested. Uh, and that was a burning desire in the other the other draw was that I was very passionate about investing in early stage. I was very passionate about backing technologies that would define the future. And somewhere this was so radical or so differentiated or so different in thinking that it made sense to create a new strategy or a new investment playbook to do just this. It would be painfully hard to do this as a byproduct or a part of a larger fund's investment strategy. That gave me the push to sort of come out and set up Special and and I have a partner I trust in life, um, Arjun Rao, who again goes back with me 15 plus years. We met at business school and we sort of co-founded the fund together. Uh, of course, when we got in, when we got started back in 2016 and in early 2017, not everything was crystal clear. I think a few things were very clear that we will invest in seed only or pre-seed. We won't do larger rounds. Number two, we will invest in very early companies where you know, we learn as much as we contribute to some of the early growth environments that these companies evolved from. And number three, we also said that, hey, we only want to do deals where we think that the, the, the level of technology innovation or disruption is of an order of magnitude high. This is, of course, a, an area of judgment and not an objective area. But somewhere between us, we said that needs to have a very high bar in our decision-making process. And that's that's the genesis of the fund. Of course, we've come, uh, we've come a, a decent uh, way on this road. We've now made about 10 investments. We've had one exit. We have a fairly good portfolio, which we consider to be high on the innovation curve. Uh, split today equally between software and hardware. And and yeah, we're excited with what uh, we think the future will be from here. That's uh, great. So you talked about, you know, starting the fund and uh, looking at innovation areas. Uh, how did uh, space come across for the first time to you as an innovation area? And uh, were you introduced uh, to space through some entrepreneurs who were pitching you or how did you come across space? Yeah, you know, this is a this is a good question, and I haven't had the chance to tell 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 this to too many people. It was an iterative process, but it all began when I had a chance to sort of attend. You know, on one of the weekends, I was I was invited to to a pitch session where we had about 10, 15 entrepreneurs talk about different ideas. And I'm always uh, 
excited to sort of listen into other people's stories. So this sort of brought me, I think this was sort of early 2017 maybe. And uh, in that pitch session, there was only one person who sort of had a very mind-blowing idea. Um, and this was uh, a session, uh, a pitch done by Pavan of Skyroot. Right? And uh, Pavan was part of uh, SLP, which is a leadership, uh, startup leadership program for young, uh, young entrepreneurs. And he was sort of talking about a business plan he had. He hadn't sort of launched it back then. Uh, where he was talking about microsatellites sort of increasing themselves in demand and they need, there is a, a market need for a carrier for microsatellites or small satellites. Right? And, uh, and he came across as a, as a fairly impressive sound entrepreneur. And then I sort of texted, we, we connected offline and we caught up for for a cup of coffee or a juice, if I'm not wrong. And I sort of heard him out. I, I didn't know a whole lot about uh, space or satellites at that point of time. I sort of heard him out and I walked away from that meeting thinking that there is there is some sort of an early revolution happening in the space sector. Seems like there are different moving parts within the value chain. And that got me to go do a bunch of reading. Uh, and then, you know, we did primary research, secondary research, spoke to a bunch of industry networks. And a few things then dawned upon us. One, from just within the value chain, it seemed clear that there were two moving parts. One was the cost of launch was coming down drastically, which meant that a lot more people could put satellites out there. Number two, making satellites itself was also becoming modularized and easier than before. I will not say it's easy, but I'm just going to say it's easier than before. And three satellites themselves started getting smaller, right? So this clearly meant a bunch of different things were going to happen. It meant there were going to be more satellites out there. It meant there would be opportunities in launch. It meant there would be opportunities in communication. And it ultimately meant that there will be a lot more data available now for businesses to then reflect in and make decisions differently. It then dawned upon me in retrospect that while a lot of technology thrives on data, and you know, we talk about mobile data, we talk about photo data, we talk about data on Facebook, we talk about data on Google, and these are all sort of data that is technologically created. But there is a lot more data that human beings are fundamentally and physically creating on Earth, and that data is immensely valuable. And the tricky part is that, you know, while that data can sort of be picked up in parts from drones or from sensors on the ground. A holistic data can only be picked up if you zoom out and get a view of Earth. And the only way you, from what I know, that you can do that is to go to space. And so, and this is where I said it's iterative, right? One, we saw that internally the value chain sort of disrupting, there are moving parts there. And then we realized that externally there's immense value to, to the end outcome of this value chain. And that's what got us to to take a deep look in that space, pun intended. You uh, talked about this uh, story of talking to entrepreneurs uh, and you know getting a feel for the space sector. Of course, entrepreneurs are uh, normally people who are enthusiastic and optimistic uh, even in the face of adversity. Um, did you happen to talk to maybe some of the former uh, ISRO personnel who have been there for like 20, 30 years and uh, looked at uh, the evolution of mainly the SMEs that serve ISRO and, you know, what would be the changes in the landscape if these startups would emerge? 
so did you happen to have a chat with any of them and were there any insights that they shared saying uh, is it's a positive area to invest in or a negative area or any of those stories i think a lot of those conversations were largely around just the technology side of it and the industry demand side of it it had less to do with how the industry itself was shaping um, or rather we didn't necessarily get into that because we felt that sometimes when when innovation and disruption is happening a few of the old assumptions change and hence if you sort of draw the line from the old assumptions you know your your uh, regression lines will maybe off from what the future will hold so uh, a lot of our conversations were more around tech and we we were we were quite happy with what the future holds good and needless to say that that knowledge base in 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 people in the space sector in our country in the current and and from the past is is unbelievably high and we have tremendous regard for that so overall uh, you know space then made a impact on you saying this could be a potential investment uh, area uh, was it something that stood out to you that uh, you know you could take a plunge in it was it the quality of entrepreneurs or quality of the deals against other sectors or what really convinced you to then you know jump in and invest in a couple of them so i think the the sector itself has a lot of value there um, and we were convinced about that but what was important was to find the right kind of entrepreneurs who have the tenacity and the nerve and patience to build a company in this sector um, building a company in this sector is uh, is a hard task technologically financially and uh, and regulatory wise right and um, and hence we 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 were fortunate enough to to meet a varied set of entrepreneurs doing a varied set of things uh, within the gamma space and um, and we took a liking to a few people a few people we had you know sort of dna and ethos match and we liked the business model that they were building we liked the the intensity of tech innovation that these companies had and we have the belief that they have the tenacity to build a a space focused organization and that's what led us to make those three investments that we've done in that space so can you talk a little bit about uh, who are your investees and in the order of uh, how you invested or how you found them so yeah i think so the first uh, the first entrepreneurs we partnered with in this uh, was uh, agnikol it has seen up and moin as uh, a professor satya founders they essentially are a launch vehicle company that's building a lot of modular technology to sort of facilitate small launch uh, uh, vehicles their quote is that they can launch uh, anytime and and from anywhere so they're working on launching satellites of 100 kg or less and they have an iterative or lego block approach where they can scale up or scale down the vehicle based on the payload and of course being small enough they technically have the capability to also launch from a mobile site and not from a large infrastructure which typical launch vehicles so that the business model got us excited the conviction that these founders had the backgrounds that they came from um, sort of intrigued excited us and and gave us a belief shriyar for example is a, a was a true blue wall street uh, derivatives trader somewhere along the way quit everything moved moved into aerospace did a course back then and then sort of moved back to india in search of uh, trying to build a company in this i mean it takes a lot for someone to walk away from what looks like a great career to doing what one's passionate about uh and and that sort of also matched our thesis on 
you know, on, on the um, on the upstream components in space, where we felt that if uh, if there are enough small satellites and they all either have to ride share um, or sort of wait for a for a large vehicle to sort of fill up, then there's a huge waiting period and a waiting time, and those delays add up to inefficient increase in cost and and all of that, and and hence the ability to sort of get go and launch in a few weeks uh, is a very valuable proposition to give to a customer and and that sort of led us to, to doing Agnico. Uh, then we met uh, we met Astrogate Labs, this is a fairly smart, highly technical team. I think it was, uh, came out of, I mean, two of them have some experience of having done work at Team and Dust and, and so on. Um, they had a very different uh, view uh, and a very different piece within within the value chain. Uh, one view is that uh, if there are enough satellites out there, then they all need to communicate and um, putting satellites, building satellite is one, launching it is the other, and the third is to sort of operate it. One of the big wallet shares in the operation part from what we learned was the cost of communication. And today, the gold standard there is RF, and um, we felt that it could be limiting both in cost and bandwidth. And these guys were working on an alternate technology that could disrupt that landscape, both on the cost and the efficiency front. We believe that we would bring upwards of 5x on bandwidth expansion and, and about five times lower cost. Uh, the, the value prop, again, was very disruptive. If it does work, then it could potentially change the landscape of, of communication in the satellite segment, which is fairly large again. Uh, Quite excited again with the team, their tenacity, they were on it. The technical progress and the progress they had made on the products based on our validation using external members of our organizations seemed quite high. We were excited and convinced and, and that's how we got it. Um, the, third, the third company, um, and we call this a space business, not a space tech business. This is uh, founded by uh, Chris Naya. Chris, uh, the CEO at Exceed Space built the Think India's first private satellite and launched. And we like Chris. Chris has a has a very interesting thought process and view to how businesses can be run in space. And he's sort of took a non-hardware and non-manufacturing non approach to uh, the downstream side of the business where they're essentially now building um, products that can help businesses leverage space intelligence and make uh, business decisions smarter, faster, better without uh, breaking their head on how to get the data, what to do with the data. So that's how we've sort of hedged our views on, on the sector, both on the hardware and the software side. A lot of these guys are, are early young, but um, but very high on the, on the innovation and tenacity curve, in my opinion. Excellent, and uh, that was a very nice uh, overview can you briefly speak about uh, you know what was the due diligence process uh, that you know for you followed was of course you know there's a, a technical part of it and then maybe the investment uh, part of it uh, so can you break down both of it maybe for you know people who are upcoming entrepreneurs to understand the whole process from the investor's side sure so i must also be a friend that you know, our process may not be the best process or the best approach around and we do what we're sort of con comfortable and convinced with. Uh, with that, that said, uh, 
given how early these companies are and given how long our journeys are going to be with these companies, I think a lot of importance is given with just uh, our view of the founders and compatibility with them. So I must say all of these deals have taken a few months to close, not a few weeks. A uh, fair amount of time has been spent with founders understanding their DNA, their background, why they want to do what they're doing, what have they done, um, just to sort of be able to at all points of time put ourselves in their shoes and think about think about how how they're going about doing their things uh, so that we also have enough empathy and, and EQ to be able to connect with them. That's one part of it. The second part of it is the technical part. Uh, of course, we, we do what we can do in terms of reading, understanding blogs, white papers, due diligence reports, news, all of the above. Importantly, we talk to enough, uh, enough experts in the space, professors from different universities, PhD candidates, entrepreneurs who've built businesses like this in the past and other parts of the world. And sort of then get a directional view on is this possible within a certain time frame? Is this technically achievable? And if yes, what are the components needed? And are those components available now? Or can they be made available now over time? Um, and the third piece is, you know, from a commercial standpoint, if this technology does work in the manner that we're talking, will it make a dent commercially? Will, will, will businesses draw efficiencies on revenue or on cost side or on both sides by doing this. For example, for us at Astrogate, uh, a lot of time was spent to try and understand this. A, a, would our communication terminals be faster, cheaper, better, and would there be significantly better ROI for that value chain? Similarly so with uh, with uh, Agnikul as well, just given how, how, how much launch, launch vehicles are efficient in terms of cost per kgs, we needed to make sure that their approach would still create a significant delta in terms of both time and cost uh, for satellite companies. So that's sort of the approach we've taken. Of course, finally, all of that risk and reward needs to match with the construct and the strategy that we work with, both in terms of the risk we'd like to take, the potential upside in terms of return, and you know our sort of deal sweet spot or average size of investing that we'd like to do. One of the interesting things that I have noted over the years is uh, how difficult it is to get customers in the space business, especially if it's the upstream, uh, because, you know, space is largely a heritage oriented uh, business and people would uh, would want to trust people heavily who have heritage. And uh, the other thing that I notice is uh, the proximity to the customer is something that is uh, very interesting in the space uh, business. Most uh, American businesses have uh, first customers who are either American and, you know, most European companies have customers, the first customers who are European. So co-location with customers is a very interesting phenomena in the space sector. So, you know, given this uh, kind of uh, working of the industry, do you think, uh, you know, the first customers for these companies that you've invested in will be local largely in India? maybe other companies who are trying to build uh, stuff that they would need from these uh, investees of yours? Or uh, do you think these businesses will directly have to look for mostly global customers either in Europe or US? So I'll break that into the downstream and the upstream side. I think downstream there's, uh, there's, there's I would sort of think there's equal opportunity here and, and outside of here. Um, on the upstream side, I, I had a chance to visit one of these congresses at a time pre-COVID, but I had a chance to sort of get into a conference room where put 200 plus satellite manufacturing companies. And it was interesting to note that uh, 
the people who actually have willing to have a discussion with uh, with a company from India that was considering to build something very different for them. Um, and the progress from there on, this this meeting of mine dates almost a year ago, is that people are willing to partner with younger companies that may not necessarily carry a lot of track record and sort of walk down that path to see if something innovative can come out of it. Of course, uh, I think we're leaning heavily on sort of the the intellectual respect our country commands for this sector outside. And maybe that's a big tailwind that's supporting supporting a lot of these companies. So I would guess that early customers on the upstream side may come from outside first and then inside hopefully as well. On the downstream side, I think it's an equal opportunity both here and outside. You talked a little bit about the regulatory, you know, reforms that uh, some of the companies might actually need especially you know somebody who's planning to build a launch vehicle there's uh, quite a lot of uh, regulatory reform that uh, needs to be done for them to operationally do a lot of things in india i suppose uh, so what do you expect in terms of uh, regulatory reforms uh, you know did these companies would need uh, the timelines for it and uh, what are your general insights about all of the reforms in general? So, um, you know, this is a topic we we don't know too much and we don't influence upon, frankly speaking. I think our, our philosophical view is if innovation is on the right side and the innovation is leading to expansion of value creation, over time, people will be supportive. And I think um, we have the we have the time and patience, and we'll 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 see how it plays out for us. Uh, the early announcements are positive, and we'll see how it plays out. So you talked about seed stage uh, investing. So many of these businesses, of course, will need uh, larger check sizes. Uh, even maybe at the seed stage, they need uh, you know few few crore Indian rupees to build and uh, test a particular product. Uh, do you co-invest with other seed investors uh, in the beginning or uh, you know, do you come in and then bring in more investors and then look for a Series A investor or how does it normally work? So we typically are the first institutional investor in all of these companies we invest. Um, our investment is, is based on our conviction on the thesis we're building and, and the due diligence that we've sort of done and the founders are running these companies. And hence, our investment is based on, on all of that uh, and not necessarily based on who else is coming in the round and what the round size is. Having said that, we're very open to have other people co-invest with us. We historically have taken a lead, lead uh, investor approach on, on these kind of technology investments. And in some of these, we've had uh, other investors invest alongside us, uh, investors that we've known, investors the founders have known, and yes. Um, the initial crores that you mentioned on the seed is something that we think we have the appetite for. Of course, uh, subsequent rounds, uh, we do have ability to sort of support uh, partially but not completely. And, and hence, we, we closely work with our founders to, um, to try and make uh, the appropriate inroads into other investors who would potentially be interested in this. It's not easy. Um, it's an ongoing process and I think um, I think investors look for early evidence before they can come in and there are different ways to sort of 
address that and reduce risk both technically and from a business wise so each of these guys are 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 incrementally working on 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 those topics what is the typical round sides that you would participate and uh, you know how much uh, runway would that give uh, to each of these companies so we try and optimize for 24 months uh, plus of runway on on these companies um, and also optimize to see that the milestones that are coming out of it address some parts of the business risk or you know technology risk or market risk that is sort of set out early we believe that addressing risk is one way of creating value uh, and i think round sizes we we prefer not to exceed a million dollars in round sizes our participation typically is about half a million dollars or less on the initial check and of course we we keep more than one is to one for follow on reserves right do you also evangelize uh, other seed funds in the in india for example uh, to to invest in space uh, do you uh, you know are there any kind of outreach efforts that you are taking up uh, you know within your institutional investment fund i think we're doing it more opportunistically at this point of time each of these companies are sort of heading out agnikul closed its next round of funding so there was a reasonable amount of evangelizing effort that the company took and we participated in sort of spreading the word talking to people about our thesis what the company is trying to do and i think and thus far we've been doing it more opportunistically to sort of suit uh, suit and support our uh, portfolio founders right and one of the challenges in all of this is uh, of course today you see you know somebody like you participating in the seed stage the challenge to grow a particular business uh, from the birth of the technology to then making it fully operational would need a, maybe a much larger investment of series a and so on and uh, i'm not really sure if we have seen any such huge uh, series a investments in india come up uh, yet as of yet from institutional investors so do you expect uh, you know your investees to have uh, series a investors from india or do you see this money coming in more from uh, outside investors as uh, fdi i think i think there's enough potential in india i think uh, certain other deep tech or deep science sectors have started seeing capital flow in of course it's not going to be the same magnitude as what you would see in the consumer sector because firstly this doesn't need that sort of capital i i think this uh, while theoretically appears to be capital intensive is also very capital efficient um, i think i think we, we will see participation coming in from india as well agnikul is an is an early evidence there and we've sort of managed to to raise an a round there for them and there've been some some stellar funds like pi ventures and a few others who've joined in that right and uh, do you see this more as a you know a bangalore chennai phenomena again because i think even uh, the investors that you talked about in agnikur were also with from bangalore right i think bangalore has a has a fairly strong concentration of a large amount of vcs of course there's delhi and, and bombay and hyderabad as well um i think it's i don't i i would like to assume that it's not a bangalore chennai phenomena i'd like to assume that it will evolve to being um, being an india phenomena you know part of part of being a vc is that uh, you're part optimist and you'd like to think that the the world will be a better place tomorrow uh, so I, i i come from there so i'd like to believe that absolutely and have you had a chance to talk to other uh, international investors uh, you know there's uh, maybe now more than 100 of them who are institutional investors who have participated in space in the last uh, decade have you had a chance to maybe you know talk to them and see if uh, some of them are interested in india i think people are interested in tech um, they haven't necessarily made investments in india yet and hence it's it's going to 
take a little more time to get them involved and and in some of these we have some some active dialogues and discussions where we periodically exchange notes with them i think it's a matter of getting them comfortable with a new investment environment that they haven't previously invested um, and and it'll take its time but it uh, it will happen right and you already talked about uh, participating in a series a follow on uh, you know once the investor comes in right absolutely i think in in all of our early investments we know that they will need more capital and and hence you know like most of the vcs our construct sort of also involves supporting our companies in follow on rounds so one of the critical parts of all of this is the return part of it and the whole exit strategy uh, so from your investors uh, standpoint uh, where do you see uh, exits coming from will it be acquisition from you know larger companies like tata or mahindra who have aerospace divisions that may want to have a space division or is it more that uh, these companies will go public or what do you think would happen with some of them so our assumption here is two thirds or more of most of our deep science investments will will see m and a opportunities and a third of them in our life cycle possibly through later round investors wanting to accumulate more equity like i said we have a you know 5 to 7 year horizon i mean yeah it can go up to 8 to 10 and hence um we'd like to assume an ipo is uh, is is a low la- low probability event and hence uh, a higher weightage on on strategics and mnas okay and as far as mnas are concerned then uh, is it obvious that maybe somebody like a tata or somebody else would participate in such an mnda activity or is it somebody else that you have in mind i i would like to assume that the landscape is uh, is more global but of course uh, a lot of the the large indian conglomerates are clearly potential partners alliances that uh, that we can continue to sort of nurture and build you know given that you have seen this sector for 3 uh, or 4 years now has your uh, you know thesis initially that you had uh, you know changed in certain ways or uh, has it remained uh, more or less the same uh, you know what has been your general experience in all of the you know changes that you have seen in the last 3 years yeah so i think uh, our view here is you know our thesis itself is an evolving thesis and we continuing to learn from what the ecosystem is teaching us uh, globally and from the country uh, number one number two we don't know enough that you know we're not the investor to sort of build out a build out a thesis and then go look for companies it's more iterative in sectors like this where the depth is uh, is is deep and wide uh, yeah so i i wouldn't say anything is sort of fundamentally changed what i would say is we're constantly running of Uh, different large and niche opportunities that sort of emerge here and we're trying to see what makes uh, makes sense for us from a from a risk reward and a, a, you know a, the portfolio fit standpoint how many companies have you seen in the last 3 uh, years in the space sector and uh, do you see a very big uptick in uh, the number of companies uh, that are you know starting as uh, startups in the whole sector Yeah, I think the number of companies we've seen is a, is a number in excess of fifty um, in the last twelve plus months, uh, not necessarily three years. What's interesting to note is I think a lot more founders are 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 bullish or have the sort of risk appetite to go and build out for opportunities. What's important is and and we share what what little we know is that this is a very long and painful journey. Entrepreneurship is not. is not all glory there can be glory in the end but it's mostly pain um, 
and we want to make sure that a lot of them just understand what's ahead for them and how they're looking to do what they want to do. There is a positive trajectory. There are a lot more folks wanting to come out and build some of these new companies. So you talked about uh, you know Pawan in the beginning of the podcast. Do you see a lot of that phenomena where uh, you know engineers who are mid-career in ISRO are seeing an opportunity to build out a company depending on their experience? Uh, you know, seeing a a kind of a product market fit for their uh, background as well as uh, you know potential to to potentially look at tapping the global market. Do you see that happening as uh, founders coming more from an ISRO or an ex-ISRO background or do you think it's more of uh, somebody like a Srinath who has been outside of India, you know, has come back to India to build out company? So I think we see less of ex-ISRO people coming out, at least, at least in that small population of people we've, we've connected and reached out with. Uh, Pavan and maybe there are a handful of other companies that are trying to do that. I think there's a healthy mix of, of founders who sort of worked in other companies in the ancillary value chain of space or just young, smart, uh, hungry engineers who, who are looking to build new products, having a good sound understanding of what science has in store for them. So when we started our journey back in 2012, there were hardly you know two or three companies in the whole startup space trying to do some of these activities in the space sector. Today, you, have, you said, you know, maybe there are 30, 40 companies that are trying to do space-related uh, startup activity. And that's in a matter of, you know, seven, eight years. So, you know, I was thinking that if we hold this trajectory, we could have 300, 400 companies in the next 10 years, uh, you know, potentially looking at different applications, different technology pieces. Uh, what is your worldview on this? I think it's high, it's highly probable. Um, whether it's 300 or 100, it's... it's uh... You know, I, I don't know enough to sort of weigh in there. I think I think the opportunity is wide. Uh, people can sort of take up different components and 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 different parts of the value chain and and go out and innovate and build up. Yeah, the potential is 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 there. And I think with a lot of the world opening up for privatization or private participants to play play an active role, the the opportunity looks bright. So, can you talk a little bit about what is the kind of uh, you know? benchmarks you set for some of the seed stage companies to achieve you know before they go out and raise a series a uh, you know typically in some of the investees so it it, it it varies from company to company really depends on what uh, what sort of roadmap they have i mean for example if it's a launch vehicle company you you'll be very ambitious to say that you need to have launched once before to to raise an a round in of course in those situations then you look for other ways to show that risk has been addressed and, and incremental progress has been made. And maybe for a downstream company, uh, you may be more comfortable to say that product market fit is a paying customer. Uh, so yeah, I think there are different yardsticks depending on what each of them want to set out and build. But the whole notion here is how do you reduce risk incrementally and how do you then create resultant value from that. Right, and what are the things that stand out to you You know, as uh, tickers for good entrepreneurs and what qualities do you expect from space entrepreneurs who do you want to, I mean, who you would want to invest in? Yeah, I think, you know, it's a very subjective answer. I don't know if I'll be, art, be able to articulate very well. I think we're looking for people who can endure this. We think entrepreneurship is a, is a hard journey to have. We want to make sure that they have the capability to endure that pain 
and that their motivation and the end state vision that they carry is, uh, is so bright in their minds that they're willing to live through the pain, right? That's, that's the more philosophical view too. Of course, you want to make sure that they have the they have the technical prowess and uh, the entrepreneurial capability to build an organization. There's one thing to build technology, but there's another thing to sort of build an organization that can continue to evolve and grow this technology and and, and build business outcomes. Make assessments to, to explore if the founders have these capabilities and, and be able to build this out. It's a, it's a very subjective one. Uh, we're very high on, on endurance, tenacity, frugality, uh, from just the DNA of the founder standpoint. Given you know the life cycle of your fund and the investments that you've already made, are you looking to invest uh, in a few more space startups, or uh, you know are you saying that we'll hold out until the next fund or something like that? So we're a deep sciences fund. Uh, we're not a sector fund, which means that if there is if we continue to see things that uh, that appeal to us in terms of you know technology uh, innovation disruption, we'd be happy to sort of take a look at it. Uh, having said that, we're seeing we're seeing uh, exciting opportunities in other parts of uh, in, in other sectors as well, and hence, you know, um, a good investor sort of balances their um, their their technology investments across a, a varied set of investments. Uh, we do have our fund too that's sort of in its in its process of being up and running, hopefully before the end of the year. So yeah, uh, we continue to be hungry to. To understand more innovations that are being carried out in this sector, absolutely yes. So you've made investment in a in a launch vehicle company, in a communications company, and uh, a mix of I would say upstream and downstream uh, business in cover space. Uh, do you see that uh, you know there are some sort of uh, businesses uh, that are kind of missing in India at the moment because uh, the new space landscape in India is quite interesting because uh, you have. You know, launch vehicle companies, your companies wanting to build satellites, you have companies trying to do stuff with data, you know, niche companies trying to do communications and so on. So do you see there are some kind of companies that are missing in the ecosystem and, you know, that would be interesting to have? No, I think it's still early days. We've got a fairly good mix among, among those 30 or 50 companies If you know, you're aware of clearly and I've had some chance to interact with. I think they're sort of well spread out. Uh, I don't think there are more than sort of two, three, four in each segment, and they're all sort of going and building uh, building organizations where they have expertise and conviction. I think it's well spread out. Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, are there are there enough companies doing in-space manufacturing and in-space robotics? Maybe not. Uh, are we ready for that? I don't know. Uh, but yeah, there could there could always be white spaces, and they will be, and which is why there's always a there's a leading opportunity in in all of these sectors. Uh, so recently we had this announcement about uh, you know private sector getting more thrust in the whole uh, space industry uh, so do you see you know what would you see as an ideal role for isro in all of this in supporting all of the innovation and the startup activity from your perspective like i said on the regulatory side i think it's uh, it's a net positive it's a very progressive view that they're carrying and we just want to put our head down and continue to work and and hopefully find the best support we can to to build out these technologies yeah i mean uh, apart from the regulatory side do you think uh, you know there could be process changes where isro could adopt uh, you know being a first uh, pilot customer like 
yeah there's of course uh, such instruments in us and uh, even in some parts of europe we have such instruments where uh, a space agency can uh, be a, a first potential adopter of a new piece of technology that they have uh, seen emerge so uh, do you think those are kind of innovations in processes and procurement that uh, you know can make a lot of difference yeah so we're not very prescriptive in our approach we're more absorbing here um, so i think a bunch of these are sort of being planned out it's not a simple straightforward sector there are strategic elements to the nation as well on this sector and hence um and hence uh, the right amount of progress will happen at the right amount of right time is is sort of our uh, our simple view here okay so uh, you know given the the participation of the few you know series a funds uh, that you have seen uh you know what would you see as the numbers even on the investor side uh, rise up in the next uh, few years because you know uh, we discussed about how the there's a rise of the number of companies itself do you think there's also will be uh, you see a rise of the number of investors uh, from different you know vc funds participating yeah i think uh, uh, there's clearly more than half a dozen investors who, who are actively looking at this sector and looking at opportunities coming out of these sciences and we we only think that number will grow as there's more evidence of uh, of success and value creation here i wouldn't be surprised if that more than doubles in the next 2 years so you know let's uh, forward fast forward uh, maybe 5 or 7 years from now so in your imagination what would that look like well we hopefully will continue to be on board of a company that's launching um, you know a rocket a week um, we'll be uh, working with companies that uh, are giving you tremendous insights on weather agri and and you know the the view of the ocean and all of this coming from some very disruptive innovation on the communications landscape that's my view of the world so my final question uh, vishesh thank you so much for uh, you know taking a lot of your time out and uh, speaking elaborately on many of these things i think uh, the insights that you've shared uh, is useful for a lot of uh, young people who are looking to start companies and you know looking to know what investors are looking for uh, how can people uh, reach out to you and uh, you know how can people maybe learn from you as well as uh, uh, look at uh, you know showcasing their uh, product idea or service idea they have so i must say we learn more than we teach uh, we don't know enough most of the time uh, but you know the best way to reach us is uh, there's an email id on our website uh, you know 9 out of 10 times or more than 9 out of 10 times we respond to all emails that come inside uh, we're all available on linkedin we're available on twitter you could you could write to us at uh, at, at the rate of special invest uh, on on twitter on info at specialinvest.com which is the the publicly available website on uh, on our i mean email id on our website you could you could write to us in any of these channels uh, and and if you know any of the folks we know feel free to to you know to ask them to introduce to us and like i said we we're building a culture of responding to at least at at, at, the, at the current scale we're operating we have the ability to respond to to all founders who write to us so we'll we'll continue to work on that on, on that so vishesh uh, thank you very much for uh, featuring as a guest on the podcast and uh, we hope to have you back in uh, a year or two to discuss more on the changes as well as uh, the progress on all of the companies as well as the fund np pleasure is all mine thanks for having me uh, pleasure chatting and exchanging ideas look forward to look forward to the the two year play ahead <laughs>